everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. Wonder, letting your heart say, wow, unless we come to the kingdom with the faith of a child, right? Those eyes that look up, see everything so big, so much bigger than we are. We let the Lord move into our hearts and reinstill wonder. That's what we're doing this series. Uh, We're talking about wonder, and today we're talking about how do we see God's glory, the wonder to see his glory. We're gonna read John 1, John chapter 1, verses 6 to 18. And uh, we're about to hear from So Young Lee as she reads that for us from in front of her uh, home where she lives. And, and uh, as we open John 1, I encourage you to open your Bibles, turn on your Bibles. And as we open it up together, let's open up our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we approach your word, we ask that you would move by your Holy Spirit in such a way that we can hear your voice speaking to us words of grace and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said, amen. Amen. Let's hear John 1. Hi, my name is So Young Lee. We will be reading from John chapter 1, verses 6 through 18. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Amen. 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 Thick passage, rich passage. I encourage you to have it open in front of you. Have it open at home in front of you. As we go through this, every, every verse of this is kind of a whole lot to handle. And so it's going to help you just to carry on along. We're talking about light. The true light that gives light to everyone. Light changes the landscape. It changes the landscape. Light changes what you can see. In our wonder image, I want us to focus in now. Look at that lamp. See the little lamp that that little dude is holding there? That little lamp, you see? 
When you're holding that lamp, you can see something that you didn't see before. What you see depends on the light you have. When we were uh, in Virginia, we lived in Charlottesville for many years. Um, go UVA, I think is what I'm supposed to say at this point. And, uh, but uh, lost to Virginia Tech yesterday. Never, never mind. We lived, in, uh, we lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, and, and we had these big pine trees in the back of our, of, of our house where we lived. And one night, my kids thought they heard an owl out there. And so they were out there with uh, these little, you know, the little flashlights that don't go like two feet, you know, in front of where they are. So they're kind of shining that and see nothing, nothing at all. So I walked out behind them, and I had um, a mag light. You know mag lights? And it, was, it wasn't like just even the small mag. It was like the police officer grade, you know, shoulder hold mag light. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I, I walk out there with this thing, and I click it on. And this beam of light just floods over my kids' heads, up into the tree, lights up that whole tree. And there it was, this little owl. You know? So, quick pro tip for for young dads. A solid flashlight gets you a lot of dad credits at the right time. Right time and place. Solid flashlight, sharp knife. That's all you need. But um, what you can see depends on your light, you see. Light changes the landscape. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The light changes everything. Light changes the landscape. And the light of Christ can change the landscape of your soul. We're asking God for more wonder. We're asking God to break through that jaded kind of feeling that we could easily get this time of year at the end of a hard year, that kind of cynicism that creeps in and darkens things around us. We want God to break in, open our eyes to wonder with that childlike faith. You know, cynicism says, I've already seen everything I need to see. I already know everything I need to know. I don't need to hear the rest of that story. I don't need to look deeply into that because I already know. I I know enough, you know. I know enough. I'm done. It's nothing special over there. But wonder is like a lamp. It's like a flashlight. It opens you up to see new things, see things you didn't see before. God opens up your heart with wonder. And it's, it's like a new dawn. We've all here in Colorado Springs, we've all seen these mountains that are, that are to the west of us, right? And at nighttime, you look across those mountains and it, it kind of looks just like this, like this black wall, you know? It's just like this huge black Barrier, and you don't see much. You don't see much. That's that's cynicism. That's the the jaded kind of know it allness that says, "I already know what's over there. I don't need I don't need much more information than that." But you know what? Then the sun starts to come up, and pretty soon you see something more like this. You see these. You see the layers. You see the texture. See how the mountain comes I mean, we've got this privilege of, of uh, at First Pres, when we come down to church, you walk out of the parking lot and you're coming down Bijou, especially this time of year. How many of us have just been stopped in our shoes when Pikes Peak is lit up like that pink light on white snow? Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, I see what I didn't see before. I see layers. I see texture. I see beauty. Why? Because of the light. 
The light changes the landscape. Gives you so much more to see. And the light of Christ can change the landscape of your soul. Gospel of John. This is actually the Christmas message of the Gospel of John. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of look at this uh, kind of uh, verse by verse a little bit because each of these verses sends us in a direction. So I need you to hang on for this message because it's going to feel like I'm going a lot of different directions. But what we're following is this word from John 1. And John 1 is a different kind of Christmas story. It's not mangers and shepherds and donkeys and camels and all that stuff, right? There's none of that. It's these cosmic elements and forces of creation and light and dark and life and all these principles, these existential things. John wants us to know, you see, from the very beginning that the birth of Jesus is more than just one more baby in Bethlehem. The birth of Jesus is this cosmic event. This cosmic event. It's God. The glory of God. Come into the world. Um, how is all that gonna, that kind of cosmic stuff, you see? Because this is what you get into John 1. You're like, well, light, darkness, creation. How is that gonna come down to my life? Like, how does that apply to me? Is there any way that all these cosmic, ethereal principles of God doing some amazing thing is actually gonna land on where I live? Well, here's the amazing thing about John 1. At the same time that we're looking at these huge existential principles, things come down and rest all the way down on the earth. See, all this is happening in the heavens, but it comes to rest on a man, a man named John. Look at this, verse six. There was a man. This comes right out of in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, through him everything was made. There's nothing made that wasn't made through him. He's life, he's light. Light shines in the darkness. Darkness has not overcome it. In verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Do you feel that hitting the ground? Now who is this? This is John the Baptist. We saw him last week. Whether it's Peter preaching to the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, were Paul preaching to the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch in Acts chapter 13? Or the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? They all start the story of Jesus, the Gospel, with John the Baptist. They all say this is how the ministry of Jesus began with John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist is the first to receive Jesus. And so John the Baptist is the first to reflect Jesus. God wants us to see how this comes down to earth. It lives where you live. Verse seven. He came, who? John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. You see, he's, he's the witness and all faith is gonna come because of that faithful witness. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Okay, so both the gospel writer John and John the Baptist himself, they want to be clear that John the Baptist is not the light. But here's a funny thing. Later on in the same gospel, John chapter five, Jesus says this about John the Baptist. He says, John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his Light. Friends, which one is right? Jesus or the gospel writer John? Hmm? 
Who wants it? Should we parse it out here? Who's for, who's for Jesus? Who's for Je- I think you should go with Jesus, okay? You should always go with Jesus, right? Always go with Jesus. But look, they're, neither one of them is wrong. John is a lamp. John is a light. But he's a light not because of what's, what's kind of shining out from his sort of inner spiritual core. He's a light because the light of Christ reflects off of him. This is the principle of witness, the principle of witness, witness. The moon, you see, does not shine its own light but reflects the light of the sun. But what do we call it? We call it a light. We call it moonlight, don't we? We call it moonlight. It's moonlight. But it isn't the moon's light. It's the light of the sun reflecting off of that. I hope that everybody in the room knew that already. I hope that's not news to anybody. I spoiled something for you. Uh, but the light of the moon, it's a reflection of the light of the sun. This is the principle of witness. Now that moon, it only sheds that light when it's positioned right. Right? Follow me on this. We're going to get somewhere. The moon shines its light when it's, when it's positioned somewhere. Where is it positioned? Well, it's positioned so that it receives the light of the sun. But at the same time, it's oriented to reflect the light of the sun into the darkest side of the earth. That's when the moon is a light. That's when the moon is shining. When it's not only oriented toward the light of the sun, but it's also positioned to reflect that light to the darkest part of the earth. Well, then we've got the glory of the moonlight shining its light. That's the principle of witness, friends. The principle of witness. A witness, a true witness to Jesus positions herself in orientation to Jesus and at the same time positions herself in orientation to the darkness of the world around her. And so she's reflecting. You see that? She's reflecting. She's reflecting. How do you do that? So you've got to, a lot of times we major in, in orienting ourselves toward Christ. That's absolutely right. I mean, you've got to, he's number one, and you orient everything you can. Worship is, is training our hearts to orient ourselves again to the glory of God. I'm going to orient myself to the glory of Christ. But at the same time, friends, in this principle of witness, you see, you've got to be listening. What does the world need? What's the hurt in this person, in my life? who's sitting in darkness. What, what's the pain? What's the thirst? Tell me what's troubling your soul. You see that? It's the same for you, to be witnesses of the light of Christ. That's who John the Baptist is, principle of witness. Verse nine, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light, one light, God's light, Jesus' light, says it's coming into the world. And John goes on to explain that this light has been in the world. Of course, creation has got some of the light of God everywhere in creation. But people couldn't grasp it. They couldn't, they couldn't apprehend it. They couldn't understand it. And so Jesus is God taking all of that, uh, that what we might call general revelation or, or common grace or, or this, this kind of light of God's glory that's on all creation, everything that he made, and, and it's being condensed, it's being It's being brought together and distilled in this one powerful presence. The birth of Jesus is all the glory of God. 
on display in the face of Jesus. See, this light was coming into the world. That's what that means. Some people couldn't grasp it. Some people, you see, when Jesus came, he came to his own people. He came to his, his same, the same people, the same people who'd been showered with God's light through history, and many of them rejected Jesus. But, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave what? He gave them the right to become children of God. That's a different kind of a child. It goes on to say, is children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a human's, a husband's will, but born of God. See, Jesus, Jesus was born of a virgin Mary. Not so much of natural descent, not, not of the will of a husband. Jesus was born in a different way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now every person, it says, every person to all who would receive him, to those who would believe in his name, every person who accepts Jesus, receives Jesus, you get reborn to in exactly that same way by the power of the Holy Spirit making Christ to live in you. There's a newness of life, a rebirth by the Holy Spirit bringing Christ into your heart and making you entirely new. See, every single conversion is a miraculous birth. The birth birth of Jesus, miraculous birth, every single new life in Christ is a miraculous birth brought on by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it isn't just some add-on. It isn't just something that comes because you're trying harder. It isn't something that comes because you're trying to be as moral as you can possibly be. You're trying to make every right decision. It isn't some kind of accessory that you add on to the side of your life. No, this is rebirth. Everything in your life. The old is dead and the new begins. You are a new person born again by the Spirit. With every bit the power of the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves into your life and makes you new. And the old is gone, it's dead, it's in the past. And you have new life in Jesus Christ. Born again. Amen? This is the gift that we find in believing in Jesus' name. Okay, now we come to the meat of it. Man, which verse would you pick if you were me? Oh my gosh, this passage. Well, today we've got verse 14. Are you with me? I want you to read it together with me, church. Verse 14, we're gonna read it aloud. You at home too. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 14. If it isn't underlined in your Bible, today's the day. If it isn't underlined in your friend's Bible, snatch it out of their hand and underline it for them. The Word, the Word. The Word became flesh. The Word. Well, up on the page, on that same page, we've already learned the Word is God. In in John chapter 1, the Word is God. The Word was God and the Word was with God. The Word is God who's also with God. That's the Word that we're talking about. And it says this Word 
This word became flesh. How can God be God and also be with God? Well, this works out that this is Jesus, the Son of God, Son of the living God, second person of the Trinity. And in Jesus, God has eternal communion with humanity. God chose to become flesh. And in Jesus Christ is this union with humanity that's eternal and can never be broken. See, the word became flesh, dwelled among us. The Bible makes two claims that are unique unique to religions, unique to spiritualities. One of them is this. The scriptures make the claim that this God, that the God that we're talking about, God is more above, more out there, more separate, more distant from us than you ever imagined. See, this is not the God of the harvest, the God of the, you know, the God of the river, the God of the mountains. And This is not some localized, tiny little so-called God. God is outside of creation, having made everything that is outside of himself. He's more distant than you ever imagined. God is the above us God. The above us God. That's the first claim. The second claim is this. That this God, the above us God, enters what he has made. You see, in most religions, the deity is part of the world. I want you to think about this this week. God is part of the world. He's something that we interact with as part of the world. But in in our Abrahamic religions, we come to this knowledge of the above us God who's totally separate from the world. He's actually outside of it entirely. And then it's only in Christianity that the above us God stoops down and becomes the with us God, Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of, full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and and truth. Hey, many churches, many Christians, they're full of one or the other, right? Or you might just think they're just full of it, right? They're, they're full of truth, and there's no grace. Or what? They're full of grace, and there's no truth. Jesus Christ is the fullness. He's the fullness of grace and truth. Truth. You know the truth The truth is, you are worse off than you ever dared tell yourself. The truth is, you are in more need of help than you have ever dared admit. The truth is that there's something in your life pulling you away from God, separating you from his holiness. There are forces in your life that just compel you to do the wrong thing again and again. That's the truth. The truth is, you are in greater need of help and a relationship with a Savior than you ever would dare admit You've got a skill. You've got an adeptness at fleeing God. You've got a skill at hurting yourself and hurting those around you. And you want to tell yourself, it's okay, it's okay. Next time I'm going to do better. I know I'm on the right track. I'm going to make progress and everything. The truth is you need help. You need a savior from your sins. What's the grace? The truth is, you need more help than you ever dared imagine. The grace is, you are more loved and redeemed and treasured and won by God in Jesus Christ 
than you ever dared hope. God will not let you go. He is full of grace and truth. Amen? All right. Now, we have seen his glory. That's supposed to be the title of the sermon, isn't it? Here we go. We have seen his glory. Glory. All the glory of God in the face of Jesus. What is this glory? Isaiah said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would tear heaven out. You'd blow the top off of this thing, Lord, and come down. Hey, above us, God, oh, that you would tear open and you would come down. And if you did, well, then the mountains would quake. This whole earth would be shaken. Everything would be turned back into its rightful place and everything would see your glory. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And then what did John the Baptist say last week? John the Baptist said, you know what? All that Isaiah stuff, God opening the heavens and coming on down, that's happening. But it's happening in a way that you never imagined. Jesus is coming God's glory with sandals on its feet. John, what do you mean? What do you mean we've seen his glory? What do you mean God with sandals on his feet? We can't see the glory of God. The glory of God. The glory of God is like this this huge, powerful force. God's glory, it melts mountains. We can't see God's glory. The glory of God shakes the ground and fills the temple and burns everything with rings of fire. I mean, Moses wanted to see God's glory. There was a time when Moses said, oh, Lord, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And what did God say? He said, I can't show you my glory. In Exodus 33, it says, no one shall look on my face, for no one may see me and live. Oh, God, I really want to see you. And God is like, Moses, I can't do that, okay? If I show you my glory... It's going to melt your face off, man. I mean, I'm just, I mean, you will, you will melt like a candle. And I'm not here to wreck you. Say, Lord, I love you. I want to see your glory. Okay, here's what we're going to do. What did God do with Moses, Exodus 33? He said, okay, look, Moses, do you see that cleft in the rock? You see that sort of crack in the, in the side of the cliff? I want you to get in there, hide yourself. I'm going to put my hand over that, okay? I'm going to pass by. You'll feel my presence. But you can't look at my glory. If you look at my glory, you're going to melt. But you can feel my presence. Why? Because I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you by my own precious right hand. Oh, that God would rend the heavens and come down in glory. It's happening. It's happening with Jesus on, with sandals on. Because who's the cleft in the rock? Who's the right hand of God? Two guesses, folks. Come on, say it with me. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory. You get how big that is? We've seen His, you can't. Yeah, we have. All the glory of God in the face of Jesus, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God condescends that we may know him. God belittles himself that we may be 
close to him. God, he enters life with us in Jesus Christ that we can see his glory, that we can look at his glory and live. You can't look at the sun, right? You can't stare right at the sun, you know? It'll blind you, but you can see that reflection of the sun. Well, Jesus is the glory of God that you cannot look upon. Come down to walk with us. Come down to live in our neighborhood. Come down to put flesh on, to walk with sandals on his feet. You can see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. He accommodates himself so that we can know him. And the above us God is the with us God. Now that comes at a price. It's not free for the above us God to be the with us God at one and the same time. There's a price to be paid to make it happen. The only way to get married, think about this. The only way to get married is to take on each other's debts. When you get married, you take on your spouse's debt. When you get married, your credit score changes. Some of you who are you know, looking at getting married, I'm just laying it out there for you. Think about that. It's the truth. A husband, you take on your, your wife's debts. The wife, you take on your husband's debt, along with lots of good stuff, Right? I mean, that's, it's joyful. We come together, but that, that's the way that joyful union is made. That joyful union is made with not only the good things coming together, but you also have this mutual assumption of each other's frailties, of each other's weaknesses. Yeah, you've got the strengths, but you're, you're taking on also a mutual assumption of each other's weaknesses, of not only the virtues, but the vices. They come together, and you start to share this stuff. You share it together. That's what marriage is, you see? That's what union is. You start to share everything you've got. You share your, your credit score, your bank statement, your, your, you know, your airline miles. Remember airline miles? We'll have those again. I believe it. You know, you start to share all this. Starbucks points? I mean, come on. You can't hold that back. You share everything. That's how the union is made, okay? There's only one way for the above us God to be the with us God. He assumes our debts. For Jesus, that meant carrying those debts all the way to the cross where he would pay them off. And for him, that was worth it to get to you. Do you know the love of God this morning? So passionate, so true. There's no cosmic boundary that can stop his love. There's no, there's no kind of uh, barrier that God won't break through to get into where we are. Cinema, cynicism says, I already know this story. I already know all this stuff. I've already seen what's on the mountains. Over there. I don't, I've already heard it all. It's, not, it's, like, it's rote to me. It's, it's boring to me. But wonder, when you allow wonder to penetrate your heart again, you see, wait a minute, the above us God became the with us God and Jesus has done all this to be with me? God on high has come to be near. God loves you so dearly. He loves you so passionately. He was not content to sit alone in, the, in his own holiness out there in space. No, God was not just gonna be alone shining in the heavens. God loves you so dearly that he did all it took to make that relationship with you. And even in scripture, God discloses this passion, this passion 
This, this passionate longing. Look at Zechariah 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion, my people. I'm burning with jealousy for her. Or in the New Living Translation, I like the way this puts it. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. My love for Mount Zion. Not the place, his people is passionate and strong. I'm consumed with, this is God speaking, I'm consumed with passion. This is God's heart for you. This is God's love for you. Do you you allow it? Do you allow yourself to feel that passion from God wanting to come into your life? Do you allow yourself to feel the power and the passion of the above us God becoming the with us God? No price was too great to get to you. No cosmic force too strong. God has a longing and a desire to be in your life. (laughs) That's wonder. Open up your heart to it again. Don't pretend that you already know. The light of Christ makes things different. And the light of Christ is something to reflect What if you allowed that passion to come to your heart in a way that you could feel it? And at the same time, you oriented yourself. You had the light of Christ shining on you, and at the same time, you oriented yourself. You say to those around you, what's hurting your heart? Where's the darkness? You don't let go, but you hang on. You ask the next question. Oh, we're, we're rushing around. We're already rushing around during this season. Too fast. No, no time, no time. Yes, there is. There's time. Ask the second question. Ask the third question. What if you, what if you oriented yourself to that burning passion of Christ to be the above us and with us, God, at the same time you positioned yourself to see if some of that light would reflect in places of darkness and need What if you took the light of Christ like a flashlight and you you shine it on all your relationships, all your friends, all your family, all your closest relations, and you just ask the Lord, what's the other layer? What do you want to show me that I haven't seen before? The light of Christ. What's that texture? What's that glow? What's that? What if you open your heart up with wonder and childlike faith? Now this passage says one thing we cannot read over and leave behind. It says, you are born again when you believe. Did you catch that? To all who believe. To all who believe. He gives authority to become. He gives authority to change. Authority to leave an old life and enter a new one. To be born again entirely. To all who believe. That's you. All the love and passion of God coming your way. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Reflect the light of Jesus with wonder. Lord, we thank you that you're always showing us something new.
but there's always a, a deeper level we can see, another bit of texture. Lord, let your light so shine in my life, in our lives, that we can reflect it to places of darkness and be a lamp for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.